Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. You don't understand. This is a liar. How can you think that I'm her dad, but we both look exactly the same age? We do not look the same age. I was being kind. Wait, I'm going to hypnotize him. I hereby christen this mutton Barbie camper. Priscilla, queen of the desert. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Popgaze the Tam Tam. We're still on our pleasure cruise slash episode reviews of Our Flag Means Death. And this week we've reached episode five. The best revenge is dressing well. I mean, I can get on board with that. I 100% agree. Now, I've remembered to do episode synopsises again. Well done, me. And the synopsis for this episode is Blackbeard decides he wants to try his hand at playing an aristocrat. I'm joined for this episode by a very special guest. Announce yourself, special guest. Hi, I'm Sasha. That's right. Sasha is back. The originator. You're back. (laughs) the originator of the our flag means death first ever episode that i did magic magic you're back (laughs) so let's get into some discussion points on episode five in this episode we get a look at steed and blackbeard sharing their knowledge about each other's worlds And I want to say I found it quite interesting because you see for the first time how much this actually means to Blackbeard and why it's so important for him to become a gentleman. Because it's really all about him stepping out of that. Like you see the flashback with his mum, the response he has when he has, I think the donkey, that's the sort of racial slur, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and the response he has to that, and I think a lot of this is rooted in the fact that, yes, he's mixed race, he he doesn't fit into the community, and he feels like if he can just get to that level of being a gentleman. He, he spent his, like to me, like he spent his whole life being told that he has to be one thing, yeah. that he cannot rise above what he is, and then he... With Steve, he's given this opportunity. He's got someone coming in and be like, actually, I'm going to show you what it's like. And he wants that. Mm. Like, and, and I think the fact that, like you say, like with mum saying, like, oh, things like this aren't for us, etc. But he, he has kept a little bit of silk. Yes. And yeah. I think that speaks a lot for how much he wants that lifestyle, wants to be better than he is. Yeah. Because something so like a small scrap of material and he has kept it for however many years whilst being a bloodthirsty pirate mm. um, he still kept it on him yeah and I think that speaks a lot for who he like is underneath and like you say it goes to show just how important it is to him like this isn't just a bit of fun this isn't just like oh let's see how the other half lives it is something he truly wants yeah in my review of the previous episode so episode four Tamsin's mum my my guest then (laughs) she she raised something interesting that she said that she felt that Blackbeard Ed has a split personality and I think that this very much speaks to that sort of the distance in between the two personas like he's always 
kind of kept a part of himself out of the Blackbeard persona and that sort of em embodied by that piece of silk. Yeah, which yeah, is... like the black, Blackbeard persona is full on a mask that is, it's a part of him but it's not like everything. Now I also want to ask, so we saw Blackbeard getting lessons from Steed but we also saw Steed getting lessons from Blackbeard and I want to say how hopeless do you think Steed is? Do you think he'll ever get it? Because I just don't think he'll ever get it. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't see him ever getting it. I, I see him always needing someone to bail him out yeah. and help him while he's just there oblivious to the whole thing and thinking he's doing a really good job. <laughs> well, because he's such a fantasist, isn't he? I mean, that's mm -hmm. the thing. He lives in this. I mean, he's deranged as well, I would say. I would say Steed is, is completely deranged and... <laughs> <laughs> and I love that for him. <laughs> what we have here, the medium-sized merchant craft. You'll note, if you look carefully, a distinct lack of cannons or any other killing devices. So we're going to go on up there and uh, we're going to cause some havoc. Crew of Revenge, you are not to engage. You are simply here to observe how real pirates function in the real world. Uh, we are also real pirates in the real world, so... Quick question... How violent do we expect this to get? So, some of my favourite interactions happened in this episode. And I think my one of my favourites was Izzy's deranged interactions with Lucius. Yeah. I mean, do we just want to unpack that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, Izzy, Izzy and Lucius is just like, it, it, it shows a lot about Izzy's character. I would agree. And I would say that there are levels within their interactions as well. Because mm. I think it's clear that Izzy is attracted to Lucius. Yeah. I think that's clear. Yeah. But he, but he is full on, like, you know, belt-hating, homophobic, yeah. etc. Yeah. And I would also say Lucius is very confident within his own sexuality and isn't yeah. afraid to say to somebody, do you fancy me? Do you want to get off behind those barrels? And I yeah. think he also can see when someone's attracted to him and he knows that Izzy's attracted to him and he uses it against him all the time. Yeah, he, he full on thinks that it's hilarious. I think that Izzy is like attracted to him. But also because like, uh, like I don't feel like, I don't think he'd ever go there. But I think he, he is enjoying it. The fact that he has that sort of power over Izzy. Yeah. The power to make him feel really uncomfortable. Because when he yeah. said, have you ever been sketched? And the way he did that, it was like a final, like, knockout blow to Izzy. Because Izzy yeah. was just, like, completely retreated and didn't know what to do. Yeah. You know. And, like, with, with the whole, like, with the whole, like, oh, daddy, daddy, like, that whole interaction, like, that was uncomfortable as hell, let's be honest. Yeah. That was, but I think again it said a lot because like to me wasn't that like Izzy I felt Izzy was trying to bully him yes and Izzy was trying to get the upper hand and yeah. he was trying to make Lucius look and feel small mm. but he didn't get that reaction he got Lucius Black Pete and Wee John looking like he was being a complete idiot and just being slightly uncomfortable with how embarrassing he was being yeah and he really did not like that because he is used to being the one in power. Mm. And and um, I think that, again, is another sort of, like, this is why I think you slowly see Izzy just sort of losing his mind over the whole thing, because 
these people have come in and they have uprooted the status quo completely. Yeah, and all of the techniques that he has used in the past. Because I think it also speaks very much to hard and soft power. I mean, I think Blackbeard and Izzy come from a world of hard power and Lucius comes from a world of, like, soft power where you essentially have to play the system from inside the system. Yeah. And it's a great demonstration of the difference between how to get what you want and not completely burn all your bridges versus forcing what you want onto other people. Yeah, I think Lu- Lucius shows that because when he's sort of got to be cleaning the side of the ship, what have you, he didn't sort of, he he got Fang to let him up by engaging with Fang. Mm. And that's his power is sort of from the soft side. It's, it, it's sort of influential rather than forced like Izzy. Yeah. Well, he negotiates his way out of it, doesn't he? And he also yeah. uses somebody else's Attract. He like flatters some. He flatters Fang, and that enables him to get out of this thing he doesn't want to do. And I, my favorite bit is when Izzy looks over the end, and he's not there. And he's like, I can't believe it. He's slipped out again. <laughs> uh, so Godfrey Thornrose, and this is Jeff, the accountant. You know, you could pick anything, right? Yeah, and I like the name Jeff. And accounting sounds fancy as fuck. Now, I've got two questions here. What do we think of Jeff the Accountant? And also, what would your alias be? I I, I love Jeff the Accountant just because I love that in Blackbeard's head, that is the embodiment of fancy. He's an accountant. (laughs) Um, And I, I just love that. I really like the aesthetic of Jeff the Accountant as well. I like the way he's gone. He's got bows in his beard. I loved it. And I loved a certain way we we saw a different side of Blackbeard because I didn't realise he could play the piano forte. And he can, which is interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think you could easily, when this is all over, you could easily cast a younger actor to play Blackbeard and we could have a whole series of adventures. Or like a one-off. What I really liked in the whole when they were on the boat is the tug of war between Blackbeard and Steed. Where Steed sort of knows what this world's like and he's trying to tell Blackbeard. But Blackbeard thinks that he's just learned enough and he can do it. So he's kind of got his his Blackbeard persona. He's like, no, no, no. Because I'm Blackbeard, I'll be able to do this. And also, I think because with with Jeff the accountant, he has this persona that he thinks is what they will like. Yeah, and then thinks he's getting that from them. Well, yet another persona. It's interesting. Yet another persona. He seems to want to hide behind lots of masks. Yeah. Well, I think it it where when he realizes that they will just be mocking him mm. the whole time, and he's basically. The entertainment like that level of hurt is I, I think that's speak because he he is used to his mask doing what he needs them to yeah he hides behind blackbeard and blackbeard is you know all scary pirate etc and he in his head thought that he was having one kind of interaction that he was succeeding mm. in this world that he could definitely want to be a part of but has been told that he can't be and he thought that he was doing it and then finding out that he wasn't and they were just fully making fun of him and again the, the fact that he then listens to Steve 
when Steve told him to stand down, said a lot about their relationship as well, and where he was with their relationship at that time, because I can't see him doing that for anyone else. No, the whole thing is very, very interesting, and I think the best thing is that they all die in the end. Yeah. <laughs> all those horrible it's people. Also, like, I think is is funny sort of talking about like um, get, going going into like other episodes as well. Like Steed is so like when um, when Calico Jack turns up, like Steed seems so horrified about the fact that Blackbeard like set fire to a ship, and it's like. Another plot thread that I really enjoyed in this episode was Frenchie's invention of the pyramid scheme. Yeah, I loved that. That was so funny. I loved the fact, because I've got to say, I really like Joel Fry, and I think he's one of the really, really good inclusions on the show. Mm. And I love what he does with Frenchie. We don't get enough Frenchie, but what we do get is always really, really good. And... I love the fact that this was really Olawande and Frenchie. This was their whole storyline. And mm. I also think it spoke to... Frenchie talked about how he'd worked in service for a hot minute. Mm. I thought that was really interesting. And there's this whole colonial vibe to what they're actually doing and the fact that the other black servant is the one that helps them defraud all these rich white people I thought was really really interesting Mm. because it sort of goes back to back in episode one when the pirates were pretending to be regular people Frenchie and Olawande were serving at the table yeah and and the British officers were making comments yeah yeah Yeah. they were making racial slurs and comments and that's what tipped him over the edge yeah I thought it was really it was funny but also, it reminded you that, you know, this is a world in which racism is very prominent for a lot of people. Yeah. Not maybe racism so much within the working class, because the pirates are not, they themselves are not racist. I mean, is even, like, Izzy's not racist, because yeah. they're they're poor. And the thing about that is... It doesn't matter what colour your skin is. The thing that matters is that you're poor. See, this is another thing. Like, they they were able to, to succeed in it because, like, Olande was, was seen as as rich. Yeah. Before he's a peer. Mm. And it doesn't matter what colour his skin is. He, yeah. He should be listened to and respected. And I will give him all of this money. Yeah. Because he is he is one of the good ones. Like, it, mm. it, it's full on racism. Yeah. But it's really right. interesting. It cuts across, and it's more of a class thing. It's not really yeah. about the, the colour of your skin. It's about whether you're rich or poor. Yeah. And also, what would your alias be? Yeah, I, I really don't know for that. Um, I'm, I'm rubbish at thinking stuff like that. Uh, I have no idea. What would yours be? Sponge. <laughs> <laughs> you know... I want to be like really, really like bougie with like a crown and like a scepter, jewels everywhere. And then they announce me and they say, sponge. <laughs> <laughs> and like people don't know whether it's like Lady Sponge, Lord Sponge, uh, uh, yeah. you know, Esquire Sponge. No, just Sponge. Go for it. 
And you'd have people saying, well, Sponge said, and Sponge advised. (laughs) (laughs) So, finally, well, there's two final things I want to discuss. So, the first one is in the deranged interactions with Izzy and Lucius, we finally get a bit more insight into the relationship that Lucius has with Black Peach. And also with a lot of the other crew because i'm not sure are we are we equating sketching with having had sex with or are we just sketching i think we're just sketching (laughs) i think it's just the fact that he was naked (laughs) but i mean if you want to say the other way it works as well (laughs) (laughs) yeah he could have been naked for a reason who knows (laughs) but I thought it was interesting because this is a, now I always, I I ruin this word when I say it, polyamorous, polyamorous. I can't say it quick. I have to say it slowly, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so this is a polyamorous relationship. And I think it's one of the few that I've seen done really well. The other yeah, one, believe it or not, I saw done quite well was on Neighbours, but we, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> I think it's slowly starting to like penetrate. That that feels weird. Okay, <laughs> it's starting to become a thing in mainstream media. Yeah, and I just really liked the way that they presented it here, where it wasn't weird it wasn't strange it was just normal it was just another sort of relationship yeah like no one else thinks it's weird there's no like jealousy from either party like it's just fully healthy this is what we are like and and it also it it, i can't remember how much it it felt like that that episode but it's very much that they are together yeah like not like it's a casual thing and therefore they're seeing other people they are together but that doesn't stop them from exploring and like it, it it's just a very healthy polyamorous relationship yeah i agree i mean i'm gonna put my cards on the table i couldn't be polyamorous myself because i'm too jealous i'd be thinking about things like am i living up to the other people but i would say this if somebody said to me, I would like to be in a polyamorous relationship with you, as a woman, I would feel a little bit sense of relief because how rare is it that in this case, it would probably be a guy would actually say to you, I'm seeing other people and tell you that they are, as opposed yeah. to just seeing other people and then you find out. <laughs> You know, I mean, what a relief. I mean, I would marry them. I'm not going to lie because they're so honest and that's what I want. (laughs) You know, somebody respects you enough to say, I'm also seeing other people as opposed to, I've been cheating on you for four years with your friend. (laughs) But that's just me. And maybe I'm characterising the relationship wrong. So, yeah, but that's. I would find it so releasing. Yeah, it's a jungle out there. Yeah, I think there. it's a big difference as well. Like it, it, like with them, they they've been polyamorous like from the start, like yeah. from the get go. It's yeah. never been a 
relationship. And I think that's a big difference as well. Like, I, I, I've seen stuff in other other media where it, it's like, it, it's probably unrelated to that because it's a couple that have gotten a bit bored yes. and they want to kind of open it up. Whereas, and, and then you get, sometimes you get the whole jealousy thing or you yeah. get the whole, like, you, you know, it's drama, it's weird. Whereas, it's it just from get-go, it's been like, well, this is the relationship. I'll tell you what would tip me over the edge as well, if they smelt mm. really good. Because I don't smell bad or anything, but you know when you meet people <laughs> and they actually smell really good and you're yeah. like, why do you smell this good? And that would tip <laughs> me over the edge. <laughs> Sponge would go nuts. <laughs> Okay, so the last thing, and probably arguably the most important part of this whole episode, was the section I'm going to call, You Wear Fine Things Well. Yes. So, I'm handing this over to you, Sasha. Oh, that, that scene is just absolute perfection. Like, the, the, the setup, the lighting, like the, the silhouettes against the moon. Like I, do, I just love that whole thing. Um, it is a very, it's a very well done scene, and it it it's very sort of um, like tender. It's nice. It it's just for them. And then you get that moment where it looks like Blackbeard is going to kiss him, but then Steed recoils. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, oh okay, good night, blah blah blah. Like, which again, it is nicely done because it's not. It's not an awkward thing. No. Like, for us as viewers, it's like, kind of like, no, like, why? But it's not, I I can definitely see in other shows that would result in sort of the gay panic and Blackbeard feeling like an idiot. Mm. And the whole thing would be drama. But it's just, it's a moment and then it's gone. Mm. Like, like to me, I think that like, I see that as the moment that Blackbeard realised, or Ed realised that he was falling in love with Steed. Yeah, it's the moment when Steed told him he wears fine things well, because like Jeff the accountant being all dolled up, etc. Like that was that was a character mm. that wasn't him. Whereas Steed is there telling him that there with his little scrap of silk looks really good and he wears it well and he you know could be a gentleman almost like it Steve sees him mm. and I think that's the moment that he fully realised that and fully realised that he was falling for him yeah no I completely agree because I think if you go back to episode four for me I felt most of Blackbeard's interactions, the way he sort of leans over Steed and is so fascinated by Steed, that to me felt, I don't, I might be wrong in this assumption, but it didn't feel like cis-het behaviour. So I think from then, we kind of were clued in on maybe Blackbeard's a little bit more interested in Steed than just, hey, bros. But you're right, this is the one... Because I think he probably did want to sleep with him then. But I think there's a difference 
And I mean, there is a difference, but I think for Blackbeard, there's a difference between wanting to sleep with somebody and loving someone and that yeah. he has fallen in love with him. And every this whole, like the moonlight, the gently lapping waves, you know, yeah. the fact that, you know, Steed puts the moves on him. He's putting the moves on him and yeah. they're pretty smooth. <laughs> yeah. And like, because I mean, I've, I've said before, like to, to other people and, and you, I think I can't remember if it was in the, the other podcast episode that we did, but like I viewed, um, like when, I, I thought that when Blackbeard first was like, um, sort of being, being friendly to him, like the, the, the plan genuinely was always to kill him yes. and his identity. Yeah. That was the plan. That's why he was getting to know Steve. That's mm. why was learning about these world is because he was going to kill him. But I don't um, think that would have stopped him from sleeping with him. Oh no, he fully would have slept with him anyway. But yeah. I, I think genuinely he was going to kill him. And yeah. then that moment as well was when he realised that it wasn't going to happen. He didn't want to kill this man. He mm. loved him. And yeah. that was a big turning point for how he viewed him, I think, because until that point he was Still, like he liked Steve, I think, mm. but he was still going to kill him. Yes, because he was going to have to. Yeah, because yeah. if he wanted the life that he wanted, if he was going to have the life that he wanted, he needed to kill him. Steve was a means to an end. He liked him, but that was just tough. And I, I would, think... I would also say to that, is he kind of backs him into a corner? Because there's yeah. that moment where he threatens him and he says, you know, all the times I've had to smooth it, things over with the crew, all the times that your judgment has been impaired. And mm. I think there's a threat there with I am the one who is looking after you. The crew think you are insane and this behaviour is just basically reminding them of that. And if I say to them, yeah, he's nuts, that's mutiny, then they will. So yeah. all of this playing has to stop. And I think it was the threat. I think he backed him into a corner. Because yeah. you kind of see the bit at the end where he, he he says the plan that he's essentially going to take his identity. But then when he walks away, you see his face drops. Because yeah. I get the feeling that that's not really what he wanted to do. But he's in a situation now where he has to do something. Mm. So he has to kill him. And this part, the you wear things well part, becomes the main issue for the next couple of episodes, I think. Yeah. Which is that, will he kill him? Can he kill him? Yeah. Episode six, I think it was, where, when Izzy does basically say, kill him or I will. Mm. And so again, it... it He's, he's backed into the corner and he's on the, the again he obviously doesn't go through with it but I yeah the whole I think because he'd realised that cause again so, so not not in the same way but going back to what we were saying about like you know the servants aren't people yeah. the upper class like it's one thing to be like okay here is this nameless faceless person who has what I want and I need to kill them to get it that's fine but then you get to know them and they are a person, they are a human being mm. and they are, they trust you in a way that has not been given to you before. 
Yeah. And that, I think, throws him as well. Um, I think, like, before, the, like, the plan was always to kill him, but then he, he got to know him. But then, again, he then realised he was falling in love with him, and that just derailed the whole thing completely. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, that's the way I see it. I know plenty of people disagree with me on that. And no, I completely, sort of, yeah. I completely agree with you. I think, yeah, it's the, it's the complication that he hadn't thought of. Yeah, you I, know. I've seen, I've seen, yeah, I've seen plenty of people say that they think he he sort of like Steve from the off and was never going to kill him. He no, that I, but I, I think it's more complex than that, and I see yeah. it as he was going to, but then he got to know Steve and he couldn't. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, I agree with you, because I think that, I think he was interested in Steed for more than one reason, but I think that doesn't, that would not preclude him from getting what he wanted. I mean, let's look at Calico Jack's arm, for one thing. This is someone yeah. who doesn't really have that much of a issue with hurting people that they apparently care quite a bit about. Yeah. So... He has got none of the ties that bind him to Steed. So, yeah, I mean, I think, yes, he would shag him. Yes, he would also kill him. Yeah. Until this point. And this point is the bit where everything changes. Yeah. So, no, I completely agree with your theory, actually. Yeah, I, I do think he would have gone through with it had he not fallen for him. Yeah. And it's quite insidious. Because I think you also see the change that comes across. I mean, you mentioned them before, but Fang and Ivan. And it seems like everybody who steps on the revenge, bar, I would say, Calico Jack and Izzy, become sort of warm (laughs) towards them. Like, you even see that with the hostages. So one hostage is like, nah. And the other hostage is like, oh, I like them. You know. (laughs) The one that they keep, he ends up sort of fully backing them. Yeah, he likes them. He fully backs them. Yeah, he realises that they are good people. Yeah, yeah. And he especially, I think he especially likes Steed. I would love to see more interactions between them because my favourite thing is when they go to the the um the Republic of Pirates and Steed says, you know, we can't have these sorts of interactions. (laughs) And I, <laughs> you're not frightened of me. <laughs> and I just love it. So, as we wrap up this episode, I just wanted to ask you, what would you rate this episode out of 10? I, I do, I'd give it a solid 10. I think this is my favourite episode, like, of the whole series. Okay. It, yeah. You are the guest. So, 10 is the rating for this episode. Yeah, I'm going to give it a 10. <laughs> thank you very much for joining me it's been lovely to have you aboard sponge's pleasure yacht (laughs) (laughs) i'm not sure how to end this so i'm just gonna end it (laughs) are you ready kids Under the sea. Flash, 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 flash. Absorbent in yellow and porous is he. Flash.